Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Hey, welcome back to the show. It's me again, the same person from the last 66 episodes. I'm not sure what you're doing listening to this. If you don't know who I am by now, unless maybe you're new, you could be for all I know. I'm not your mom. I'm, you know, the Axeman. Nobody ever actually calls me that, though. And on this show, I generally strive to be positive with a lot of the games I talk about, even if I'm not really crazy about them. Like, I know my first episode with Breath of the Wild kind of went into how I didn't really like it that much. I still said that there was a lot that could be liked about it. Even last week with Sonic Forces, I said that even though it had a bunch of problems, there were still things I liked. This week's game is so bad... I really can't think of anything good to say about it. It's not a really popular game or one that gets a lot of attention. It's really kind of old, but I just really want more people to know about this game and how cheesy it is. I'm talking about Frogger, the Great Quest. Except, I don't know enough about this game. I kind of only paid attention to half of the game. So, I brought in a new guest to help me talk about it. Who are you? Hello, my name is Connor, also known as the Bear Man. Nobody calls me that. You think you're funny. <laughs> oh, I know I'm funny. No, so I'm uh, uh, one of uh, Alex's friends. Uh, I We... Um, uh, run around some of the same uh, internet circles together. Uh, we know each other from a uh, from a forum we both used to go to. These days, we both uh, are on uh, the same Discord server. We um, he's involved in. Uh, uh, we're both involved in a couple role playing campaigns together. We attend some of the same streams, so on and so forth. Pertinent for uh, today's discussion topic, uh, I run a uh, weekly stream where I just play a, uh, a video game. Uh, not really a big name video game or anything like that. Uh, the games I tend to play tend to be fairly obscure in tone, so a lot of licensed games, a lot of games that probably fell through the cracks about two or three console generations ago. And I choose these games because it's very similar to the sort of games that I grew up with. A little bit of backstory on myself, uh, my gaming career. Uh, I didn't really get... Uh, or my first gaming console was a Game Boy Advance, which I got uh, when I was uh, just about to start middle school. But I've been playing uh, computer games since uh, for as long as I can remember. So a lot of my childhood was colored by licensed Disney games, and that's a uh, caliber of game. So I tend to have a lot of patience for those sorts of games, and it's uh, kind of fun for me to share some of that appreciation and some of the little hidden gems that I've discovered over the years with my friends, which was my main reason for starting this stream. Long story short, that resulted in me uh, exploring uh, Frogger the Great Quest, which is kind of interesting in and of itself. Frogger the Great Quest, I remember I saw, I think, either a commercial or a magazine ad for that, like, way long ago when it was, you know, still new and stuff, and I thought, okay, they're, they're gonna do this? Like, I remember even way back when I was that young, I thought, oh, they're really gonna do that with Frogger? Because as far as I knew, Frogger was just a game where you cross the street, and now it's this mystical adventure, 
And I thought that was a little ambitious of them to go for that. Well, I've always thought Frogger is one of those series where uh, Konami has never really known how to advance it beyond uh, its arcade roots. Now, there have been uh, a number of attempts at rebooting the series over the years. I grew up on the... the there, was, there was more than one? Oh, like three or four attempts to reboot the series. I, the, my go-to metric for that is there are three games called Frogger 2. Uh, one was released on the... <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. One was released on the Atari 2600, one on the Dreamcast, and one on Xbox 360. To give you an idea of how long they've been trying to do this. Um, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the version of Frogger that I grew up with was uh, the 1997 remake and its sequel, uh, although I have a bit of uh, familiarity with the arcade version as well, since I grew up playing a lot of arcade games. Um, and, and we're talking about we're talking about the original Frogger. We're talking about Frogger Prime here, right? Correct, correct. Frogger Prime and the well, the first remake of Frogger Prime, which wasn't the Great Quest. Um, but it was very similar in tone to it, a very logical extension of it. Uh, they put it in 3D, they changed some of the environments a bit, but the the central premise is still you're hopping along, uh, trying to avoid death traps and obstacles and such. And that's the version of Frogger that I grew up with. I, I wouldn't say I'm particularly attached to Frogger as a franchise, but it's one I've always enjoyed. And uh, around the time, I'd never heard of The Great Quest, but... I knew there was a series of remakes on on uh, the GameCube that I was always like, oh, well, I like Frogger. Maybe I'd like this. But since it took so long for me to get a GameCube, I just missed out on a lot of those. Uh, then for the stream, I had a... Um, I'll do uh, themes where I'll pick a theme and, uh, and Alex and a couple of uh, our other friends will pick which games uh, within that theme I'll play. And I decided to do video game reboots as a theme, mostly for the motivation of this. I can use this as finally an excuse to play uh, these Frogger games that I've always been interested in. <laughs> yes, Frogger has been waiting for you. <laughs> well, you know, you know, you. you sp- uh, and hey, I- I'm glad you played my game finally. <laughs> <laughs> that that's how obnoxious I remember his voice being. <laughs> that's that's not too far off. But actually, actually, one last sidebar before we get into it. Uh, I actually, I, I mentioned this was all an excuse for me to play uh, one of these uh, Frogger games that I missed. Uh, I actually thought this would be a later game in the series. Um, there's, uh, uh, there were a number of games called Frogger's Adventures or something like that um, that I remember seeing gameplay of that again looked like a more, more in the line of the arcade game just bit more adventurous and all that. And I figured, oh, well, this seems like fun. But I did my research and I found, well, actually the first uh, in this remake sub-series was The Great Quest. So if I'm going to start, if I'm going to do this right, I'm going to have to start with uh, uh, The Great Quest to to get into it proper. And this was their best foot forward. (laughs) So... uh, And I've been been thinking about how to approach this. Uh, I... The the problem is the Great Quest is a game that just defies description in a lot of ways. Everything went wrong. Um, so we'll, we'll start by the uh, we'll start by the the gameplay. Uh, the game is a 
it's a 3D platformer. Uh, Alex, I think you likened it to uh, Rayman 2 or 3. Uh, kind of in that same spirit uh, in terms of presentation. You're running around these uh, landscapes. Yeah, with more of an action focus than a platforming focus. Right, yeah. Although there's still distinct platforming elements in it. You have a... Well, yeah. A gl- Otherwise it wouldn't be a platformer. Sure. Sure. Um, that right there is kind of weird coming out the gate because that's nev- that's not really a logical direction for Frogger, in my opinion, but whatever. But We've gone from crossing the street to this. It, it, so it's more combat-oriented. Uh, and you have, um, uh, the, the way they do it is you go around fighting bad guys and uh, again, the bad guys defy comprehension. You start out with this gang of evil mosquitoes and that somehow turns into goblins uh, that you're fighting. And it's very important that you're fighting these goblins and your attacks for fighting the goblins, you have a very basic punch kick combo that if you know any action beat-em-ups, you have a pretty good idea of what you're getting at. And then he has a projectile attack where he spits goobers. I don't know what that's all about, but it... Is that like like the bubble attack in Majora's Mask? No, actually. He's just pretty much hocking loogies at people. Oh! Uh, one of the... There's just so much that's unpleasant about the game. Like, your, your glide mechanic, rather than... I don't know, like, how Yoshi has his flutter jump where he kicks in the air to sustain his flight or something. Uh, Frogger inflates his vocal sac. You know, when a frog ribbits, its uh, vocal sac blows up. And he just kind of glides around like that. And it looks gross. Not only does it look gross, it doesn't even look big enough to sustain him. And... And there's obvious logical issues with, well, how does he float? That's all just carbon dioxide or whatever. And they emphasize it, too. Like, you have a lot of cutscenes in between levels where the transition is he'll walk out from some place and he'll hop into the next area or he'll glide into the next area with his inflated sack. And it just... It's weird. I don't know why the game chooses to focus on this. They're really proud of that idea they came up with. Yes, there's also, and uh, I don't think you would have seen it because by the time you jumped in, uh, I was just done with it. The game also has a magic system uh, where lying around in each in each area are these talismans that you can collect. Uh, only, talismans are not important. <laughs> only, uh, so you collect these talismans and you can use it to cast an ice spell or a fire spell or something. But... It's just so auxiliary to everything else that you're doing. It takes more effort to actually use them, and they have a very limited effect, so why even bother with that? Uh, Aside from the fact that it's there, but that's just not a good motivation to do stuff. It doesn't provide a meaningful function to, to anything you do in the game. A lot of the things in this game, from the looks of it, is them going, hey, this one other game did it, let's do that too. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm drawing a blank on, because uh, I'm sure there's an easy comparison from around th- that time that uses these talismans, but, but it, it definitely feels like something that was ripped from another game. Uh, another thing is, it's uh, ostensibly a collect-a-thon. There's hundreds of coins lying around each world that you're supposed to grab as you get going. But 
the purpose of each level isn't to collect obstacles. Uh, each level's end goal, it's just an obstacle course from point A to point B, and maybe you have to do dumb stuff with NPCs. But the collectibles exist purely for the in-game store that exists between the levels, from which you can buy concept art and backstory. Oh boy, my, my Frogger lore. Exactly, exactly. Like, I'm not opposed to uh, games where they have the world-building stuff uh, be things that you have to explicitly seek out in the world. Uh, I'm kind of a fan of the Resident Evil journal entries or your uh, codec conversations or radio calls or whatever that you get in uh, that you get in other games. But the, the reason it, they work in those games is because you become generally invested in the world. You seek out the Bioshock conversations because Rapture or Columbia or whatever is an interesting place and you want to know more about it. The game provided me no reason to care about uh, Firefly Swamp or the kingdom that Frogger's in or anything like that. So why is it a reward for me to learn more about it? It's just lots of very confusing motivations for why things are presented mechanically the way they are. Uh, and again, that's not even getting into the story, which is fairly robust, but you wouldn't know it because they tend to emphasize the weirdest parts of it. Yeah, I noticed, at least during the parts where I was there for, the story really just went all over the place. There was this recurring plot thread about Frogger trying to find a princess for some reason or another. I remember I kept joking that he just wanted to cross the street, but... Like, I, I know what the real plot is, and from every stage, though, it just looked like some kind of weird episodic cartoon where they just couldn't decide on what to do until eventually they decided, oh, okay, we've had enough, let's just get him to the end already. Well, yeah, it's it kind of comes across as a weird Mad Libs plot, but there actually is an overarching story to it. And I, I had to look this up, because I couldn't be bothered to actually collect the in-game. Uh, I couldn't be bothered to earn the story in-game, but... Do you call yourself a fan of Frogger? Well, well, that's why, thank you very much. No, so the central conceit is that the, the magical general of light and industry has invoked civil war in the Joy Kingdom. There has long existed resentment between the king and queen Joy, and the goblin people that live nearby. The magical general of light and industry has abducted the king and queen, leaving the princess trapped in the tower, and so the goblins are invading the kingdom and uh, laying waste to it, and a hero needs to rise up to stop it. None of that is explained at all during the main gameplay of Frogger the Great Quest. Instead, the game starts with Frogger as a kid just sitting bored in a swamp when he overhears some kids talking about the uh, Frog Prince, uh, the fairy tale of the Frog Prince, and he decides he wants in on that. So he's going to go look for his princess. That's all you get. Somehow Frogger stumbles into uh, Civil War and <laughs> Fantasy Kingdom <laughs> during this quest to get a, to get a smooch. I didn't know George R. R. Martin was the writer for Frogger. <laughs> well, no, if George R. R. Martin was writing this, we would get uh, some uh, very cathartic character death partway through. 
Yeah, that's right. I did kind of hope that Frogger would die near the end. <laughs> I think we all did. Uh, but first off, before I get into the, the beats within that, um, the, the name in particular, the Magical General of Light and Industry, that has to be a riff on uh, Industrial Lights and Magic, which was, uh, if memory serves me correctly, that's uh, LucasArts' uh, special effects studio. Uh, or the the special effects studio that was pioneered or popularized by Lucas Arts. Oh no, they got called out by Frogger the Mystic Quest. There's yeah, exactly. There's just all sorts of random references to things. Did I say Mystic Quest? I meant I meant the Great Quest. Mystic Quest is a Final Fantasy game, I think. And honestly, it would not it would not be beyond this game to inexplicably reference Mystic Quest. By way of example. Uh, about two-thirds of the way through the game, you have a boss fight against a giant chicken robot that is inexplicably a parody of Metal Gear Solid 2's Metal Gear Ray, uh, complete with a cutscene opening that's reminiscent of uh, the cutscene in Metal Gear Solid 1 where Metal Gear Rex is first revealed. All sorts of dramatic camera angles of the chicken rising out of the ground and stuff. Uh, and in a vacuum, that's hilarious, I don't get why the game is making this reference besides the fact that the game came out in the same year and Konami owns it, or owns both properties, but there's no connective tissue to it. And before you get excited, the boss fight is really lame, the Metal Chicken Ray is wandering around the ground floor of a of a laboratory, meanwhile you're upstairs doing property damage while no one stops you and it's just really lame fights overall they had like a really really interesting setup dare i say the most interesting concept in the whole game and then they just squander it immediately well there's there's another one that i think you might have missed this um there's a segment where again for some reason you have to go into a tree uh through it is uh it's either an ant's nest or a spider nest or something and fight um I forget the ga- what the game calls him, Mr. Dark or Mr. Evil or something, but it's the Grim Reaper. You fight... The- I saw that part. Oh. I, that was around the part I came in. Okay, okay, so you know where I'm going with this. Um, so you fight the Grim Reaper, and again, it's just this really nothing thing where you're bopping around platforms and ambiguously dealing damage to him. Uh, finally, you beat him, and... His uh, his skull cracks in half, and Frogger's face is on the other side. That doesn't come up at all anywhere else in it. <laughs> I, I get the feeling that part might have been written by the, the Civil War people, <laughs> while, like, some other writer wrote 90% of the rest of the game, and then some random Konami guy accidentally dropped a script for Metal Gear in there somewhere. Maybe. That'd be as good an explanation as any for for all of this. Uh, and I'm sure that's a reference to something. Closest thing I can think of is the scene in Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars, where uh, Luke's and Dagobah, and he fights the, the shadow of Vader and cuts his head off and Luke's head is in it or something. But uh, Oh, that that's probably it then. Like, it, it, continuing with the, with the inexplicable LucasArts theme here. Um, is, is that why the final boss looked like such a dork, by the way? I don't know. I, I was trying to figure out what he, what I thought he looked like. Uh, maybe 
Gordon Freeman with a friggin' Loki helmet or something. Because the final boss, for people who, all thousands of you who never played the game, and all ten of you who listened to this but also never played the game, mm. like, the final boss is just this guy in, like, edgy fire armor, but his face, he's just wearing these, like, spectacles, like 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 a stereotypical nerd. And he's got, like, a, a chin strap beard and, and all that going, and he's like, the dorkiest overlord. I, I, he's he's got to be like some reference to a person they didn't like at the lights and industry whatever place. <laughs> I wonder that uh, again that would go to explain a lot, but not everything. There's just so many things in this game that I don't get. Uh, another one again, you might have missed this. Um, uh, there's a level where you're going through a valley full of mushrooms. And you have to complete a couple different uh, tasks to finish. And for some reason, one task is to deliver this, I forget what it is, some sort of um, converter box or something, some sort of electric supply, power supply, to a cow that is that just has mad cow disease or something. Oh, yeah, you told me about the cow. Yeah, I, I actually found a picture of it. Uh, I'm going to send this to you just for your reference. Okay, well, we I can't I can't share it with anyone because this is no, a podcast. We, but... Because podcast, so very helpful to be telling you, uh, you the listeners, that I'm sending this visual component. But um, it's just this friggin' bug-eyed, slack-jawed cow that when you it... when you interact with it, its head rotates uh, 360 degrees uh, on it uh, clockwise. Okay, I see it now. This thing looks like it escaped from the world of Rayman Origins. I'll give Rayman Origins some credit. That's demented, but this cow is just on a whole nother plane of what the... It, it really reminds me... Of of the art style of that game, especially the weird chicken ghost you'd see in Rayman two and three. A lot of Rayman references for some reason that I don't think were intentional. I don't know. I admittedly I haven't played Rayman three, um, so I'm well, the chickens aren't in there very much. They're more in two than three. Sure, but aesthetically, uh, I, again, a lot of references to the three D Raymans. Uh, I personally thought a lot of the character designs looked. Like a weird compromise between Shrek and Conker, uh, just we're, we're going back to Frogger, right? Yes, in in Frogger, the designs in Frogger looked like somewhere between Shrek and Conker. Uh, oh, yeah, that, everyone was ugly. Uh, of that that ugly uh, satirical pistache uh, pastiche sort of um, take on fairy tales and such. So I don't get again. I don't get why the game wants us to take this genuinely or thinks this is going to be an appealing aesthetic for their uh, very serious story that has actual stakes and likable characters and I, I just I how seriously did they want us to take it I wonder because you have metal chicken ray like I think that that combination of words alone is meant to say that this isn't really meant to be serious it's just like some kind of wacky cartoon game, and then like the one writer in the backstory never got the memo. <laughs> Again, I don't know because there's just so much about it that seems like it 
it, it wants to be very farcical in nature, but then it just takes itself seriously enough that I don't know if it wants to be all jokey or if there's an edge of seriousness or just I've I have notes here and I've just written all over them inexplicable things over and over again. Like 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 Pepe Silvia or something. <laughs> yeah. I guess I should reveal the end of the game. So for those of you who for some spoilers for some ungodly reason <laughs> care to figure out uh, for yourself how the game ends. Uh so Frogger bops around in this bizarre world. He meets a lot of princesses who aren't his princess. One's a one's a riverboat, one's a fairy princess, one's a vampire. Let me just presume that there's no rhyme or reason as to why these princesses are not qualified. Well, the first one is a boat, so well, that's okay. that's the main qualification uh, there. Yeah, this game isn't meant to be taken seriously. I'm just going to tell you now. I there's a princess boat. <laughs> well, no, it's not. It's not an anthropomorphic boat. It's just a boat named the River Princess. That that I'm 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 still. I'm standing by what I said. <laughs> if if you say so. But so, uh, but yeah, for the other princesses, no explanations just given. It's just, I'm sorry, Frogger, you're not the one, or I'm not the one you should be looking for. Instead, go to blah, 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 and just whatever. So anyway, uh, so Frogger ends up in the Joy Kingdom. Uh, he gets involved in the Civil War. He fights his way up the tower, defeats the magical general of light and industry. And he meets with Princess Joy, who he asks to give him a, a kiss. So she does, and he turns into a human. And he's now Prince Frogger. And that's where the game ends. He looks really ugly, and he has the same obnoxious voice. And and he probably still knows Frog-Foo. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the other thing, uh... This is one of those games where you get repeated voice lines for repeated commands. So, like, every time he, or every third time he went to attack someone, he'd go, uh, he'd go, I know Frog Foo! I think that was whenever he got hurt. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right, because it was supposed to be him taunting the bad guy. Like, okay, I still punched you. Um, It, It reminds me of in the Shrek 2 video game, because I used to sometimes play licensed games. Sometimes. Sometimes when Shrek got hurt, he would say, Oh, you're lucky, chicks dig scars. Yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. Or uh, the, the Emperor's New Groove game, um, which was another one I did for this stream, that I keep coming back to because that's worlds better than this. It's a motif you see a lot in uh, these so- sorts of uh, cheaper games that are trying to be a little cool and edgy, but kind of miss the mark and just be a little obnoxious instead. The thing that gets me about that ending, uh, so you have all this, so Frogger turns into human, blah, blah, blah. This is the first game in a sub-series. Um, none of the games after this, that ostensibly take place in the same sub-series, reference the fact that Frogger was, at any point, a human. Uh, the next one starts with his mentor, whom you met at the start of this game, going, ah, it was sure some fun that you did, and you saved us all, and all that, and I, I, I don't know. Uh, but he, they're they're frogs. They're all frogs. He's a frog again. He lives in a frog world and does frog things while being a frog. <sighs> There's no reference to his escapades in the human realm, but still part of this continuity. I just I can't believe they pulled a Sonic 2006 on us. 
pretty much, yeah. Uh, and I just, the more I think about this game, the less I get about it. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, this is, this game came out during the era where they did, uh, they do, uh, multi-platform games. They do it on the main, on the major 3D consoles and they do a handheld version as well. And I was looking a little bit into the Game Boy Advance version of the game. It looks okay. It's not great. Uh, it's a 2D platformer. It looks fairly cheaply made and stuff. But there's certainly more purpose to it. Uh, one of the one of the central conceits is in order to get the best ending, where Frogger turns into a human, uh, you have to get a... Uh, it's a score attack game, and you have to get uh, an A-plus score on every stage. That, you know, I, I can't speak to... Uh, whether or not that's fun to do or anything like that. But there's at least purpose to it. The game's at least establishing purpose to care about uh, mastering its mechanics. Uh, there's a more sense of of why you'd want to go through the game or why you'd want to, uh, to explore this world in the Game Boy Advance game than in uh, this uh, the 3D version of it. There are very few games that I dislike. Uh, I'll say. I tend to accept a lot of things at face value or for its merits or for what it's trying to do or the the idea that was that came behind it. Uh, a lot of my favorite games are, by all accounts, bad, even terrible games, but I love them because uh, there's uh, some clear thought behind it and what it wants to be. Uh, this game, I don't really get mad at it. I just don't understand it. I don't understand why it wants to be a Frogger game. I don't understand what tone it's going for. I don't understand what it's trying to accomplish. And I, I don't understand why this was decided to be the cornerstone of a franchise, of a subseries of a franchise, that then proceeded to completely ignore it. Yeah, it's kind of like what I was saying at the start, is like, I'm not really super negative on a lot of games, and I'll say that even with this game, as much as I say that literally everything about it is bad, I I still kind of like making fun of it, like like in a room sort of way. So like I, even that, I guess, like I can't be too mad at Frogger. Mm -hmm. It's it's very much a um, if uh, you have three to four hours where you're just bored out of your skull, have a bunch of friends and. Uh, PlayStation 2 or something. This is a fun game to riff on. Just for the sheer, again, the sheer amount of inexplicable things going on in it. And just why they made these decisions the way they made them. That doesn't make it a good game. It's a very, very, very bad game. But it's <laughs> bafflingly bad. And that's kind of charming in its own way. Very much like The Room, like you said. Now I kind of want a version of the game where all of Frogger's voice lines are just replaced with Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> there's a there's a, a line that um, from the movie that he says to Mark that feels very appropriate coming out of Frogger's mouth. Don't leave me hanging. I'm trying to remember when he wa walks out into the roof and he, oh hi Mark oh <laughs> so how's your sex life. Oh, I, I don't want to know where in Frogger that scene was. Sorry, go on. No, no, just the central conceit of he's looking for, uh, just looking for a kiss. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. There was also a different scene in the movie, but I feel like a complete 
loser for correcting you on your room chronology. It's, it's been a while since I've seen it. <laughs> what a story, Frogger. <laughs> uh, to, to bring this back around to kind of where I started out with, uh, the, the reason why I played this game, besides it being a curiosity that I stumbled upon, was for that central theme of it being a reboot. Uh, I was kind of interested in exploring video games that uh, rebooted or reimagined older franchises and comparing it to what it was originally based on to just kind of gauge for myself how well does this understand or step into the head of the original conceit. And the original the original Frogger, there's really not a lot to it. You're just hopping across a road, uh, crossing a, a river or swamp or whatever and getting to the other side. Very simple, not a whole lot to go off of. There's a very easy-to-miss reference to the original game on Frogger's shirt design. Uh, he has a t-shirt on of a... Uh, it's a semi-truck with a little cross-out circle on it, like no semis or, or whatever. Uh, and this, There are trucks in this kingdom. It, well, this it's a straight fantasy kingdom, so you don't actually see any magical trucks or anything like that. He's just inexplicably wearing a no semis shirt. As far and as far as I can tell, that's the like he had hmm? he had to have seen one at least, or someone in this kingdom had to have seen one to be able to draw that. You'd think. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe this is part of the backstory that we never got to hear about. Uh, before the Great Goblin Civil War, there was the there was the truck killing off. There was a mass extinction of trucks. Optimus Prime is part of the Frogger canon. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But so, aside from that, there's no real... I don't feel like there's really anything that ties back to uh, the original uh, arcade game. By way of example, uh, and this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but bear with me here. Uh, back in the early 80s, there was a uh, cartoon series called uh, The Saturday Supercade. Uh, what it was, was it was an adaptation of several different uh, arcade games from the early 80s. Uh, and each arcade... Uh, each arcade game would have a regular uh, weekly segment. So, like, there was a Donkey Kong segment, a Doggy, Donkey Kong Jr. segment. Uh, there was a Q-Bert segment, a Pitfall segment, which wasn't really arcade. And but... where are you going with this? Well, there was a Frogger segment. There was a bit where, uh, in this world, Frogger was an investigative journalist who worked at the Swamp Gazette. <laughs> uh, and he, his girlfriend, and their stupid cowardly turtle companion would go around solving mysteries and such stupid turtle you made me look bad i, I watched i watched a couple episodes and it's it's 80s catch uh you probably have a good idea of what you're getting into if you've seen anything from uh hannah barbera or ruby spears very much that sort of style one of the things they do in it is frogger will be chasing after some bad guys some diamond thieves because there's always diamond thieves in this cartoon um, and they'll throw a barrel at him or uh, a safe at him or something like that, and he'll get squished. Uh, and it's uh, and if usual cartoony. He gets squished. They have to inflate him back up so that he's able to run around again and such. And it's it's all very cheesy, but it's more in the spirit of what the original Frogger was about. It actually knows what the arcade game was and is trying to homage the arcade game. 
That's far more than I can say about this official licensed video game remake by the company that created Frogger. Or the company that owned Frogger, at, at any rate. So, again, just... I just don't get this game. But it made for a fun uh, night on the stream, that's for sure. Fun is a relative word, yeah. I, I think we've talked about this game more than probably the people at Konami have talked about it. <laughs> Quite possibly. Uh, and, it, again, if for whatever reason you're curious, there's more stuff in it than than what I've mentioned. So, by all means, um, check it out sometime. Maybe just, I, I can't really advocate buying it, but I'm not going to say just buy it or anything. So, just look up a, look up a, a playthrough of it. If you have a, a favorite YouTube personality who streams video games... Maybe they have uh, a playthrough of this game. Uh, it's worth watching. Just right. don't expect anything good out of it. <laughs> that, 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 that's more than I would have recommended. <laughs> well, uh, any, any closing remarks or plugs or anything? Yeah, I've got uh, two plugs, actually. Uh, first Please. off... Uh, I know you listen to early episodes. If you're going to say anything like Henry would have said. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, serious plugs. Uh, first, uh, I'd like to plug a, a web series that uh, a couple of our friends run called Designing For. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. It's a series where uh, they look at different video game levels and discuss uh, what uh, mood or tone uh, that the level has designed for, whether intentionally or not. Uh, usually, they talk about uh, they talk about um, very very good levels or very interesting segments. Like um, they they talk about the fight against uh, Magus in Chrono Trigger. Uh, that's really interesting how they how they build up to that. Or they just did one on. Um, on the fight against uh, Captain K. Rule in Donkey Kong Country 2. Uh, and and that w that's a lot of fun because they really get into the nitty-gritty of, of a lot of the different mechanics and design intentions and such. And again, whether it's intentional or not. Um, I've actually helped write for uh, some of the show myself. Uh, one of the episodes uh, that's currently out uh, on uh, colorblindness and accessibility, uh, they asked me to write the script for that, and that was a lot of fun collaborating with them on that. So I've got a, got a personal stake in that myself. Uh, the other one is a podcast that another one of my friends puts on. Uh, please, where please don't be every talking so about often this. He talks about, <laughs> talks about different video games, um. uh, invites different guests on. Uh, it's called, uh, I forget the name of it, it's like the... Bit rate or the uh, bit of merchandise or the you're really you're really reaching. <laughs> yeah, I kind of ran out of steam. That's what Frogger will do to you. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I got. So thank you for having me on, Alex. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Frogger. <laughs> If uh, the, the the ten or eleven of you who are listening to this like the show, remember that 
I, I have social media pages now, and by that I mean I post on Facebook, on the BitCast's Facebook page, and occasionally I'll share a picture on the BitCast Instagram. I've been meaning to get better about that. I should probably get a Twitter at some point for the show, because I feel like that's probably more my speed for this kind of thing. And otherwise, you can find the episodes on Podcast One's website and app, and on iTunes. And, uh, I think that covers it. That, that, that all the Frogger the Great Quest discussion in the world. Bye. Listen to BitCast anytime on podcast1.com and on the Podcast One app.